0: Jempathy, founder of the British Blacklist, and I'm here with a young man whose name precedes him, his legend precedes him at this point. But I'm gonna hand over to this young man to introduce himself. Who are you, sir?
1: My name is Slideman, aka Coleslaw, aka Garlic Bread. Um, <laughs> uh, I am a comedian, uh presenter self-professed sex symbol but no one else agrees with that and um yeah that's 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 what i do and i just and i'm just a man that speaks on things that i'm passionate about
0: i mean there's so much you said and <laughs> there's so much to unpack self-professed sexy man oh. and how do you know nobody agrees with you how do you know um, i haven't
1: had any body rally to the cause yet but maybe one day <laughs>
0: God oh, bless you. Is this a cry for help? Girls, ladies, anyone listening? So I need your attention. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? How are you I'm, doing today? I'm doing good. You know, how are you? I'm all right. It's early. It's not early, early, but I'm tired. I'm always tired. I always say I'm tired. I feel like mm-hmm. I automatically always say I'm tired. I'm busy. I'm tired. I'm busy. And I've been trying to stop saying that because it becomes your mantra. But it's yeah. really hard to let go of those things that you say. What, do you have any habitual things that you always say when someone says, how are you?
1: Ah, oh, no, I'm I'm always the guy to say I'm good because I prioritize my goodness. I am a moaner when it comes to work, so I moan through it. Like you know, some people go through it. I moan through it, but that's not to say that I'm unhappy or sad. It's just my coping mechanism. I have to moan the entire way until it's over. Never to anybody that I employ is Facebook in my mind or to my friends on WhatsApp or things of that nature.
0: But you've got to get it out somehow, and yeah, that's the best thing to do, just to get it off your chest, I suppose. Give a word or a sentence. What would best describe your life right now? What would best describe my life right now? Interesting. <laughs> interesting because it's
1: just it has so many different things in it when it comes to the kind of person that I am I talk about a lot of serious topics but I'm a very fun person I'm a comedian first but then I do a lot of talking about things that aren't funny so there's a dichotomy there and you know it puts me in completely different environments one day I'll be doing quite a serious talk whether it's online or for a company on how they should broach you know race conversations or conversations on misogyny and things of that nature and then the next day I'm busting jokes or doing stand-up or something else so it's interesting in that vein and then it's interesting in just in the vein of the new things that I get to experience being a person that does what I do whether it's new environments meeting new people coming across new levels of success and things of that nature.
0: What's been the most surprising thing like I never expect me to be doing this right now.
1: I guess the more social justice stuff, because I I never came in the game to do that at all. In fact, I was away from that because in my head, doing that was career death. And that's one of the reasons why I say that my life is interesting because I can't believe I'm still allowed to do some of the things that I do. I can't believe that big brands still work with me to this day. Like, I I haven't noticed a decrease in my career, if anything, an increase. And I expected a decrease. I planned for a decrease. I, you know, what would the word be? I kind of like manned myself up for a decrease. I, I braced for it, but it, it, just, it just hasn't come. So I'm, I'm very appreciative to that. Like that sounds like I give God thanks kind of level of appreciation.
0: Are you referring to when you left One Extra or was it before that that you felt like, you know what, career death is on its way? It started
1: from George Floyd. So from George Floyd past, I was living in London in a flat in Wembley. I was paying 3,000 a pound a month for rent on top of the fact that I was paying my cameraman to live with me because of the share of content that I was doing. So this was not the time in life to make any kind of career harming decisions. But when George Floyd passed, nothing else was in me. You know, I was completely utterly full with the conversation and the topic of that. And I started to speak out about it. And in my head, when I did that, I was sure it was career suicide. By the time I got to leave in the BBC, I was already career suicidal. Like it was too late already. I had already accepted whatever happens is gonna happen. Whatever comes is gonna come and I don't care anymore. So by that point I was already in a YOLO mindset. But that the George Floyd transition is when I really was like, ah, oh, this might be it for me.
0: That's interesting. Cause I think we as black people have spoken about the George Floyd situation as part of being we ourselves weren't murdered but our souls our spirits yes. we felt it we resonated so we were collectively I don't want to say murdered that's a bit n- deep for all of us a, little, a bit dark but it is that thing we felt it we resonated with this particular situation so to, th- to see how you actually physically reacted to it and what it kind of empowered you to do emboldened you to do and you were life. go on it
1: changed my life. I've, I've, I've never been the same and I don't think I can uh, ever be the same. That situation changed my life. Facts.
0: So what was it about George Floyd specifically that, and I'm not, I don't know, yeah, that anything else didn't, what was it that switched in you?
1: Um, the audacity. I think it was the audacity that felt different to me because a lot of times when we catch police officers on video and these events and situations happen rarely are they filmed in such close proximity that the police officer knows he's being recorded like I knew that we lived in an unjust world but I didn't know that the audacity had reached that extent because the the police officer he knew he knew he was being recorded there were people pleading and begging with him the video is is over eight minutes long it's just the audacity of it for me just just woke me up to how bad it really really is and um yeah i think that's what it was for me
0: it takes a special in quotes person to have the strength and balls to take charge of or take ownership of who they are in this space and i think the george floyd's murder empowered a lot of us to be more black or be more confident in our blackness but Mm especially like when you were making that decision as you were evolving through this moment and then you're looking at what happened with the BBC and then you're like, I'm going. And I'm sure you have people saying, no, I don't, and all this type of stuff. But who were your either inspirations or examples of, or your support network that made you feel like, even if this is it, I'm good, apart from everything else?
1: Um, I didn't really speak to much people before I did it other than my management. My management and i was like listen i'm thinking to do this there was like do what you gotta do if this is what you gotta do then we're behind you for full, full um full and that gave me the courage to do it because you have to put it like this my management gets paid if i get paid right so When I'm thinking of doing something that is career damaging, I'm thinking about other people's lives as well. Because let's say I'm cool to get less money. I have to also be cognizant of the fact that somebody else gets less money too. When they were so game with it, it was just like, okay, cool, I'll do it then. Um, I've I've always been a person that will do the hard thing if I feel like it's necessary. The public just had no reason to see that side of me because... There was no situation that came up that required it. But I've always been that kind of person.
0: And where did that come from? Because again, it's who you are, but there's also a foundation or something that must be instilled in you. I'm Jamaican, so I I was born in Jamaica.
1: Um, I'm sure that plays a part in it as well. Like I grew up with a very independent mindset because you kind of had to be there. You kind of had to be independent there. And not only that, in in Jamaica, I, I always say this, An entrepreneurial mindset is almost instilled in you automatically because you don't see a lot of official businesses. Like when I was walking around Jamaica, I didn't see like a Tesco or a Sainsbury's. I saw people with their shops that I knew. I knew the people and they started their own shop. They started their business. That's all you see. Other than banks, I barely remember any establishment that wasn't run by somebody that was very... You knew who they were. You could see them. You could see that this was somebody that started their own thing. So I always came to Britain with the mindset of I'll have to do it myself. I'll have to do it on my own. And and the crutch of having a business's backing wasn't something that I was ever depending on too strongly.
0: You know, as you said that, I was thinking because you were born in Jamaica and then you come to the UK, do you feel British or do you feel still like...
1: Well... I I didn't feel that much Jamaican either, though. So I've I've always felt like an alien. No, when I say didn't feel Jamaican, I don't mean, I know I'm Jamaican and rep that. But I mean, when I was there, I thought I was different to other people. (laughs) And being here, I still think that, but that's more to do with my mind that's more to do with my processing system. The thing that I rate and tout about myself the most is my mind, not anything else about me, just my just my brain, just the way that I think, which I kind of find unique. Um, but no, I, I would to answer the question, no, I wouldn't say that I feel British. I feel, I'd probably say I feel more Jamaican than British. And I'd probably say I feel more alien than both of those.
0: <laughs> yeah, because what I was going to say is dude, then, because you have such an objective view about people and you can be critical of us in mm. a way that we don't like to hear, but we need to hear at times. And maybe the conversations we'll have in our closed circles and maybe one-on-one, but to bring <laughs> it to the public forum, we have this thing where we know you can't bring and put your business in the street. But I <laughs> feel like that thing of you looking outside being able to look outside of us and be critical. I wondered where that came from, but where, so...
1: And um, where did that come from? Well, that comes from, honestly, to, to, without mincing any words, that just comes from being a Christian. That is self-reflection on crack. If you mean it, if you mean Christianity, if you mean the religion that I, you know, ascribe to. So like, if, you, if you're doing it properly, Before you look at anybody else, you look at yourself. And I live in a bubble of constant self-reflection. I live in a bubble of constantly looking at myself, analysing myself. That's why I've never really accepted people's praises, no matter how much they give them to me, because I know myself and I know that I'm not living up to the standard that I set a bar for, just to say this is where I want to be. So,
0: you know what I mean? How do you not put yourself under undue pressure? And how do you forgive yourself? Do you forgive yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. It's like when you mean when you mean the Christianity thing, according to how the the Bible um, tells you to mean it, forgiveness of yourself is a part of it. I'm not just gonna just take the self self assessment side and not take the forgiveness side. I forgive myself every day because it is necessary to. I'm not gonna be the person to be down on myself because I failed because actually that's just gonna cause me to stay down. I'm an optimist always have been i don't have a pessimistic nature about me if i'm in a bad place i'm thinking okay how do i get from the bad to the good never oh my god i'm in a bad place it's so bad like that's just never my vibe ever it's never had never has been and that's one of the things that i rate about myself the most i think a lot of people set a bar for themselves that's more based on accomplishment than it is on morality but because i base mine on morality and how i am on the inside I make sure that my insides are good first before my outsides are good, like the career can drop. But if me as a man ain't right, then I'm not cool with it.
0: Listen, people, ladies listening, how could you not want to snuggle up and take this young man and make him your own? I mean- I might
1: over-exaggerate the latin. I know,
0: I know, I know you are, (laughs) I'm playing. I know, I know. You'll fool me with those cheeks Um, I'm doing proper auntie right now. So let's talk about this podcast. Because I feel like obviously you're in demand, so everybody wants to work with you. How does it, how do you pick and choose and why, what was it about Plus 4-4, the podcast, the Amazon original <laughs> podcast? What was it about this project that you were like, yeah, I'm gonna do this?
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, if you even look at the rollout of it, then you would see why they put effort into it. They put us on billboards across the country. They put us on buses. A lot of effort was done, garni- a lot of effort, even in terms of like financially, went into making this thing what it is. If you look at the studio set, the background and everything, it's beautiful and and, and me and Zizi already did a show together by ourselves right and they wanted to basically encapsulate the essence of that show so why wouldn't I want to do the show I wanted to do anyway with a backing like the backing from Plus44 and Amazon Music like they're a strong backing and they are allowing us to be authentically ourselves and that's an important aspect because if we're not being ourselves it's not going to be successful and it's a very collaborative effort so we're constantly evolving and growing how we want to roll it out, how we Wanted to have these discussions what works, what doesn't work. So it just makes sense.
0: So tell us a bit about the show and some of your people that you've got coming on to it and have been. Yeah.
1: So this, uh, um, the Plus Four Four podcast is basically a cultural commentary on everything that's happening in our culture, from music to lifestyle to just the dramas and the shade borough of it all. So it's like we're just discussing every topic and we're discussing it with no filter. We're discussing it as raw as we would in the group chats at home. And that's the essence of the show. And we've got lots of musical guests. You know, I mean, every week we have a guest, um, unless it's impossible to do so. And we're, we're sitting down directly with these artists and having real conversations asking the questions that you would want to ask and if we can't ask the questions we would want to ask then we won't have the money if we if we have an interview and we feel like yeah we were we were held back too much, then it won't come out so it's just like we're trying to keep that energy
0: that's interesting and do you find any resistance because i mean obviously zizi's renowned for asking those difficult questions you're renowned Mm. for challenging people for that don't act right so do Mm. you have any resistance to like oh my god we're going to be sitting between sideman and zizi oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. Get around that.
1: we just we stand our ground and we, we compromise where com- where things are compromisable but um pretty much we stand our ground there's interviews that you'll never hear because we weren't happy but
0: i would also think people would relish the chance to speak freely to people that are, they know what, where they're coming from no
1: yeah well I, well I mean like when you are entering the fray with two titans of conversation you you may come out of it looking in a way that you didn't want to look in it so it's You gotta
0: bear that in mind. It's necessary though. It's very necessary. I I have those things myself, even when when I'm asking questions of people, I find myself a bit nervous to, I'm conscious of how it looks on the outside because I'm so for us, but also it's like, where's the balance? So do you ever wrestle with that when you are taking people to task or interviewing people? Like culture look bad, but at the same time we need the truth. I don't
1: wrestle with that because I feel like we're in a pandemic and wounds need to be healed and you can't heal what you don't reveal. And that's where I'm at with it. Like there's too many things that are going on, too many young people that are dying, too many, too many bad things that are being perpetuated and continued. And and, you know what I mean? Too many good things that are being stalled for us to sit here and act like there's not a problem. For me, it's about the growth of the community, and it's for me if you ask somebody if somebody's walking with their shoelace untied, if you tell to tie their shoelace, that's not a negative, that's a positive we need to stop looking at criticism and critique as a negative thing. Because there's plenty of, you know, people always talk about some communities that keep these things in the communities and stuff like that. But some of them things that they can keep in the communities is a poison to the community. Just because a problem isn't being spoken about just doesn't mean that it's a problem that's not being had. And I wouldn't swap my community for a community of silence where I suffer in silence or or the women of my community are suffering in silence or the men of my community are suffering in silence. That, that's not a good swap to me. I
0: 100% and you mentioned that the fact that the campaign behind Plus 4-4 Four Four, that they it was like they was taken seriously is that the gauge the measure of when you pick up when you agree to any kind of deal or association or collaboration or when you're making those important business decisions I feel like in the UK now we're trying to take a hold on how black people are presented in business, how what deals we negotiate and understanding that. What you are kind of um, absolutely not, and what just to get some advice out there, I guess, for making those decisions and taking ownership and not being scared to say, well, if you're not doing this, then I'm not doing it. Because I feel like sometimes we get wooed by the lights or we think that if we don't say yes to this, we're never going to get another role or something like, or we'll never another opportunity.
1: This collaboration was easy to say yes to because uh, Delisa, who's the head of Plus 44, Four, is somebody that I know from the BBC and I know that she's a go getter. She's serious. is about the culture. She's about authenticity. So it was easy to, to pick that. With most campaigns that I do, they're very quick. So I, if I do an advert for a brand, it's very quick. I can grip my teeth and and compromise in certain ways for quick campaigns especially if the bag is right but for something like this which is going to be long term which I'm lending my authentic voice to every week that's different now now there's certain things and things that have to to happen certain like I can't be out here being perceived or you know I mean controlled in a certain way that would suggest that I'm not being me because now I'm putting myself out there it's not an added I'm not acting as a character or something like that it's very different but other than that Campaigns are quite short, we need two videos from you, we need one video from you, we need an insta story from you. Sometimes you're compromising those things and you say those things, you say those parts of the script that you feel like are kind of corny but they've asked you to say and things of that nature. So because at the end of the day, this is a job, and nobody likes their job 100%. Yeah,
0: that's fair, that's fair. Um, So give me a, like an episode that we we should be looking out for, that you were really excited by, that really um, captures why you said yes to this project and, yeah, you got the most fun out of.
1: Yeah, well, the latest episode is quite good. It um, features Miss La Familia. And she talks about, you know, coming up out of Birmingham. And obviously, that's something that I experienced coming up out of Birmingham and the challenges that came with that, because there were a lot of challenges that came with coming up out of Birmingham into an industry that is very London orientated. So it was very different for me. There was, I was saying, I was saying on the podcast, there were days I genuinely sat in my room thinking to myself, shall I just try and get the London accent then? Because I felt so rejected by the industry. And I, 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 instead I used that rejection as my power and made myself a unique voice and I decided to start trying to associate myself with everybody and just stand on my own two feet and do my thing and don't care whoever whoever is cool with me is cool with me, whoever isn't isn't and I'm just focused on doing my thing.
0: No, actually, you know when I asked you you felt British, but you do rep brum. I mean obviously that's where you're from. So yeah. is that and that made, is that possibly the perspective where could it be that us in London who've got it a lot better. We forget how good we've got it when and when we think about outer towns outside London.
1: Um, yeah, it's interesting because obviously I come from Jamaica and I was told that Birmingham was the second city. So I'm like, yeah, it's lit. I come to Birmingham, then I, then I went to London and found out that Londoners look at Birmingham like it's a village. to look at Birmingham like it's Stratford-upon-Avon, like there's no real difference to yeah. Like, like we might as well be walking around on horses and stuff like that. Yeah, coming out of Brum, it was difficult because, um, as I said, the infrastructure is not there. I come to London and I found out a lot of these artists, industry people, they all know each other from school, college, university, grew up in the same ends. Me, I have no relation with these people. And so I'm having to make new relationships and broach new gaps and build new bridges. And, um, yeah, that was a a task.
0: That's an interesting perspective because you forget And again, being from London myself, I haven't lived anywhere else, haven't tried to be anywhere else, and I'm not going anywhere unless I'm going back to my home country, but Mm -hmm. um, London's London. So I couldn't imagine coming up in sticks and uprooting my home roots to come somewhere else and having to acclimatize, because you, and for guys as well, you assume that you just make friends, but you found it difficult at first. Yeah, because
1: it's, it's just very new in it. It's just very new. And I guess that was, a, that was the element of it. It's like you start in relationships from no groundwork. It's, it's very out of the blue when you message somebody and say, can we work together? At that point, the only reason to work together now is purely based on whether you will add value to what they are doing. So I had to make sure that my value was right. When I heard a no from somebody, I had to understand that to not take it personal because we have no personal connection. They just don't see me as somebody that adds value. So I need to raise my value. I need to raise my engagement. I need to raise my social media clout. I need to raise these things so that when I ask, it's a yes purely. I, I only got yeses based on business. I never got yeses based on how we know each other. Oh, we're close. or oh, we're friends. The business had to be right. And so, yeah, that's, that, that, I guess that was one of the difficulties. Whereas in London, I see a lot of people that have been able to get help because of the relationship was there, even if the business and the engagement and the mutual benefit wasn't there.
0: That's a really good point about privilege, because there's there's privilege and privilege. And we always talk about white privilege and that stuff. But there's a different privilege with your even black and connected in London. So that's something mm. that um, people should um, recognise. So just quickly, before we have to go, just wanted to get to know you a bit better. Give me um, a song or an album that your friends will put on and know that's going to get Sideman bossing moves, going nuts, going crazy. Song or album? I can't think of an album. Eh, Maybe anything from Drake, maybe. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I rock with Aubrey. I rock with Aubrey heavy. So if they they put on something Drake, then they pretty much know that I'm going to that I'm gonna rock. I'm not one of them, like, Drake haters. Like, I'm not one of the people that, like, hate to love Drake or love to hate him. I just love to love his music. His, mu- his music is good for me. I feel like Drake makes the music for the man that are willing to be in touch with their emotions, and I'm willing. <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes men are only willing to be in touch with their emotions when it comes to the streets or crime or making m- what they got up out of, but I- I'm un-crying over my ex. See what I'm So, like, Drake, Drake makes music for men like that, and I'm one of them man. <laughs>
0: give me a book that you have to have in your collection wherever you move wherever you are you gotta have this book
1: none there's no book it other than the bible it'd probably be no book like i'm i'm not really a reader of books like that and that may come from a place of arrogance but I often feel like when I'm reading a book, I'm reading things that I already understand. Premises and and notions and theories and ways of living that I've already co-opted. Like I'm one of them people that when I see something, a principle that makes sense, I like to co-opt it into my life. So I find that a lot of people that I'm surrounded by read books that are really, no matter what angle the book is coming from, it's some same very basic principles that are being put forward that they just haven't accepted yet. And then they need to read in a new book from a new angle. But for me, I accepted that basic principle from day. So, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I'm reading books and I'm just like, I get this.
0: You went straight to self-help kind of realm. What about fiction? So I should read
1: more fiction books because I remember I used to read fiction books back in the day and I did really enjoy them and get lost in the world. And I have been thinking to myself, maybe, maybe I do need to pick up a book and read it again. Maybe I do. But, but... I tend to watch more series because it, it 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 benefits me more. Like so much of my comedic material comes from the sheer amount of media that I consume. So you're talking about books. I guess I guess I read a lot of comic books, but I never I never think to say that as a book. I read comic books a lot. I read Japanese manga a lot, and I watch a lot of series, and it's informed many of how I do my thing when it comes to angles I use in my videos, the cinematography of my videos because if you actually watch some of my sketches they're quite well produced i don't really know many people that produce their sketches as well as i do in terms of light and camera editing color grading and things of that nature sound and things of that nature so yeah
0: okay well the next question is give me a tv show or film that whenever it's on even though you've watched it a thousand times you'll watch it regardless
1: how i met your mother top of the list how i I love that show. I love that show because it's so comedic but yet the the essence of it is such a romantic story of a man talking about all of the different women he dated before he met the mother of his child. Like, I, I feel like I can understand that. Do you get what I'm saying? Because it's like I'm living through that journey you know what i mean of a guy that really isn't trying to be out here you're really trying to find the one but sometimes it's just not that easy especially if you've got standards you know what i mean especially if you've had if you have like a thing in your mind that you want also i listen to a lot of podcasts okay. i don't listen to a lot of podcasts but the podcast that i listen to i listen to a lot so for instance like brilliant idiots and um
0: oh that gets on my nerves brilliant idiots. Yeah I like Charlemagne but I can't do his I can't. Uh, I need need that balance I need that
1: balance. Like Andrew is how you hear from white people.
0: I get it but he's and I get that but he bothers me so much and it's not necessarily not even just because he's a problematic white guy in that sense but it's just him he just bothers me. (laughs) So anyway, that's a side note, but fine, brilliant idiots. Um, mm-hmm. And what was the other thing? Something you saw on stage, now that could be a concert or a performance or a dance or a play that resonated with you.
1: I think probably if it was going to talk about something I saw on stage that resonated with me, just watching other stand-up comedians, people like Judy Love. Judy Love's such a fascinating character because you talk to Judy Love backstage, it's like, oh, I'm so nervous. And I'm like, really? Because when she gets up on stage, she literally commands, owns and authorises that stage completely. So that's an interesting thing to watch. It was interesting to watch Mo, the comedian, when he was doing stand-up at first, just to see the growth. The growth is impressive to me. Stand-up comedians on stage doing their thing, how they control the stage. Each of us have a different way. Each of us have a different style. And it's just fascinating to see.
0: And what's made you sad, mad and glad?
1: Sad, mad and glad. What's made me sad is um, the knife crime going on in Birmingham.
0: Yeah.
1: What's made me mad is the realization that, and I think I'm gonna probably do a video on this. I'm not gonna tell rappers to stop rapping about the things that they rap about, but what they could do to offset that is to talk to the young people in their communities more. Every now and again, do a song on the realities from the perspective of get out of this. And I think it makes me mad that some of them haven't got out of it. So you're not gonna get that from them because they're very much still in it. And there's nothing more silly to me, preposterous to me than being rich, than being successful, and still standing in the hood and not realising that that is poor behaviour. That is povertyous behaviour. that like your brain is still very much broke. And that's made me mad, just the realisation of that this week. Because we lost a young man in Birmingham who was 14-year-old. And his I, his dad goes to my church. And that's not on some casual thing. Remember, I go to church every Sunday. I see this man, I, I shake this man's hand last Sunday. And he's lost his son now to knife crime and things of that nature. So... That's made me sad, man. What's made me glad this week? Um, What's made me glad this week is the sun. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm a sucker for
0: some sun. I mean, you can't apologise for the sun. That is yeah. loving the sun. It definitely raises my mood. So where can we listen and watch Plus 4 4 Podcast?
1: so you can watch clips on the amazon music uk youtube and you can also catch the full podcast exclusively on the amazon music app and that's the plus four four podcast you can ask alexa play the plus four four podcast and they will come on
0: wicked thank you so much mister it was great talking to no. you have a good day a good week All right, thank you. bye
1: bye guys Bye.